you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Elliott. Today, we have a special guest, a man that has been doing, I believe you've been in the game for a little bit now, right? 27 years in the industry. Yeah. 27 years been doing the insurance aspect of real estate investing. So this is mostly for new builds. That's what you specialize in, new builds, making sure that you are fully protected and I've seen this dozens and dozens of times over and over of people like, like myself, like real estate investors getting insurance policies to think that they are protected and then come to find out that they really don't know what kind of policy they have. They're not educated on it fully because the agent might have not even been fully educated themselves. So they're just selling you a policy. They don't know what is really fully you know, protecting you and your investment. So This gentleman is very, very intelligent when it comes to this. He's been doing it in the game for a long time now and helping out a ridiculous amount of people that I look up to that have been in the real estate game for a very long time. So super excited and privileged to have this gentleman on here. We're going to learn a ton today. So basically, if you have any notes, if you have any questions, you might. We don't get through this whole episode. And if we don't answer these questions, you're definitely going to want to reach out either to myself, but I'm just going to pass you on to Mike. So you're definitely going to just want to reach out to this gentleman and he's going to be able to help you out in any form of your investment policy that you have on either your rental or new build, new construction, but anything real estate related, we can help you out with your insurance. So Mike, what's going on, brother? How are you? Good, good. Yeah. Like we were talking about yesterday, I have actually been within a two hour radius of home for the last 10 days. And that had happened in over, I, I went back, it's been almost three years since I've not been traveling or out. So, and today I was actually able to go see a client that's a couple hours away and get some policies delivered and get back. So yeah, it was nice to get out. It is what it is, right? We just have to adapt and roll with it and make the adjustments. And here we are. Yeah, it's a new day and age right now, right? Something special that we're going through. And it's kind of some crazy times. But with the crazy times, there's always opportunities that arise, right? So a ridiculous amount of opportunities coming up in the near future. If they're not smacking you in the face today, just realize that they are coming up. So be prepared for that. But, But for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, you know, as you were just mentioning, you're the type of person that's always running out and about and uh, like to be active and barely ever at your home. So this is a, a new stage in life for you right now. But for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, do you mind just diving in a little bit of who you are, what you do? And- right. Yeah. Well, fortunately, even though I have to stay at home, I don't have a stay at home child uh, or children. So I know that's been a biggie. I know I've had some clients say, I've got to have the office open. I've got to have my safe place to go to because staying at home with the kids. And, you know, I love my daughter to pieces, but uh, I got her out of New York because she was supposed to graduate in May. And of course, their class has been put online. 
But uh, she's staying in an Airbnb right now. So I love her to pieces. But even though she's in Charlotte, <laughs> she's staying across town somewhere. But, okay. Uh, so we, we know each other well. Well, between me still having to do business and her going to have to be on online classes, uh, she's going to need her peace and quiet and be able to concentrate. But yeah, man, I've been in the industry. So Mike Stell, just, I'm with Lowry Insurance. I've been in the industry 27 years, specifically doing home builders for the last 10 years. And in the last three years, got into the real estate investor end of it. I am fortunate enough to have around 350, right? About 350 clients in both the new home builder and the real estate investors in 36 states. So yes, I stay gone a lot. I travel a lot. Fortunately, uh, home can be wherever the road is. So it's not like I have to be uh, dialed into one area. I love that. So you're helping out over 350 clients currently within 36 states. Right, right. Nationwide. I love that. That's awesome. So obviously you've seen a thing or two when it comes down to the wrong policies or the lack of education that's being taught out there regarding policies, correct? Right, right. Yeah. And one thing we'll do today, I've kind of got it segmented into four topics, right? So we'll go over ensuring the project itself. That's kind of number one. We'll dive into that as far as should you get a property policy versus builder's risk. Number two, we'll go and talk about ensuring the liability, which is more about the subcontractors, the general contractors, and protecting yourself in the event they don't have the proper coverage or even have it at the time of loss. The third thing we'll talk about briefly is ensuring the buy and holds, right? So if you decide to hold on to these, whether they're short-term rentals or long-term rentals, we'll talk about that for a few minutes. And then, of course, the last thing is we'll spend just a few minutes talking about the COVID-19 and how it's affecting the insurance industry, especially with landlords and, and some of the government actions that are coming down, whether, you know, like I said, Durham, North Carolina said on Wednesday that people don't have to pay rent for the next two months. So if this blows over and June 1st rolls in and someone owes for three months rent, we can kind of see where that's headed. So we'll, we'll talk about that too a little bit. Yeah, I personally, I'm all for that as long as me as a landlord doesn't need to pay my mortgage for the next two to three months. I'm okay with that. I right. get it. It's got, right, it's got to be on both ends because if you're still yeah. on the hook and they're not, and we, we get it, look, we are... We are dealing with something unprecedented. We just haven't had it. Anything like this happened before. I guess where I get a little frustrated with it is, you know, I was in college in 1987 when the stock market crashed. But in 1987, you had to listen to Walter Cronkite at night, right, to get your evening news. You got your Wall Street Journal. And you watched your local news, maybe like Good Morning America. But we really didn't have that information at, our, at the touch of a finger. Yeah, right? finger so, yep. Exactly. So the only thing I'm frustrated, I get a little frustrated with in the time that we live in, we have so much information at our fingertips. You can Google something in a matter of seconds. And unfortunately, there's so much misinformation that gets out there. And I'm not going to get all the whole thing, but like the toilet paper thing, right? Why the run on the toilet paper? And, And one thing that I know, right? The only thing somebody posted the other day that I saw was talking about, well, it's because the majority of toilet paper is made in China. And actually, I Googled it. 90% of the United States consumption of toilet paper in the home is made in the United States. Milwaukee, yeah. Wisconsin has one of the biggest, they're one of the biggest. Only 10% comes from China. 
And that's your mass produced, like for bathroom, industrial bathrooms, yeah. public bathrooms, hotels. So it's, it's that kind of thing. So it gets a little frustrating how it just runs. And sometimes you just jump on the Internet and can fact check some of these things. It's crazy. Yeah, it can definitely spiral out of control. And the fear that comes into play of, you know, right. not knowing what tomorrow is going to look like, it can get a little chaotic. But yeah, you, you never know what, what's tomorrow's looking like. So, you know, hopefully everybody is being intelligent. Think before yeah. you act. Don't stock up on TP. <laughs> right. Hey, go get the beer, potato chips, you know, yeah. go to the liquor store. Get the real essentials is what I call it. <laughs> it's a, I know, right? Yeah, not bread and milk and toilet paper. But anyway, so, you know, and again, I think what's happening is it took a little, it took a little time to catch up. I mean, we are a, de- a democracy. We're an open borders, open country. So it's not like a China where you can literally close the country down, right? On orders, you will go in your house or suffer the consequences. It's also even different from we're not a socialist country in terms of we don't have those government programs, right? Where we have universal health insurance and some of those things. So it is even unique for a country like us to say, hey, these are the things we have to do. We did it through 9-11, but that lasted for what, a few days? That was it. So now we're looking at months, and I think it's starting to set in. Even I initially was like, oh, my gosh, well, what about April? No. What about May? No. Probably two months. And I think as more people are just realizing, you know, stay at home as much as possible. Let's limit the mass congregations of people, and that will help flatten the curve, as they call it, you know. So I think we're, I think we're headed there, but it's going to get worse before it gets better in terms of we're going to have more cases because we're getting more testing done. It's going to happen before. But I think what we're already doing is getting us on the right path. And now it's just staying positive and, you know, like you said, finding opportunities and ways to to move forward against all the losses. We, we've all suffered in some, some way or form, every one yeah. of us. Yeah. Yeah, I think the importance behind it is not to panic and to stay inside for right now. You know, do your thing, get back to life. And, you know, we'll see what the next couple of weeks look like after that. Right. Take it day by day. But let's talk about some insurance right yes. now. Yes. You know, oh, I, I, last thing though. The only thing I want to the only thing is I am going to make sure I say I'm not a financial expert and I yes. am not a health expert. We have a lot of those out there right now. The point I'm trying to make with that is from a business standpoint, as far as real estate investing and home building, what we had two years ago, most of my home builders flattened off two years ago. They didn't decline, but they kind of flattened off because we couldn't get the land developed quick enough. We had a shortage of land developers. What I think is going to happen now this is, again, this is just my best guess from talking from most a good, a good number of my clients, is building is still going to continue. The subcontractors need to work. They need the money desperately. We're going to get the houses built. I think what we're going to see in probably three or four months is a little bit of buildup of inventory, Right. The starter home where the family was going to use their 401k to make their down payment, now it's going to take probably three or four months or however long to kind of build it up to where they feel safe going out. This area, though, in the southeast, at least in the Carolinas, we are still tens of thousands of homes short of the demand. So right now, I don't think, again, I think it's going to be a delay, kind of like a tsunami effect, right, where it kind of is out there comes in slowly and then goes back out and then hits. So a lot of my home builders, at least in this region in the Southeast, 
there it's business as usual because right now the demand still far outweighs the supply. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as that stays true, then it's not going to adjust. But just like you said, you know, this is just our two cents that we're speaking on today. Oh, yeah. so don't, don't take it like the Holy Bible. If anything, absolutely. Sucker. Right. Right. absolutely. 100%. Uh, I've had real estate investors call me and say, hey, should I go through with this deal? A builder yeah. said, that's like, yeah, that's out of my area. Um, yeah, yeah. Just business as usual as much as possible. So, yeah. You want to dive into the first topic? Yeah. So the first topic, uh, ensure the project itself, correct? Right. Right. And I didn't want to call it insuring the property because I didn't want to confuse people with talking about property versus builder's risk policy. So, yep. so the first area we'll talk about real quick is insuring the project. Now I'm going to talk more to real estate investors during this because on a new home build, it's pretty cut and dry. But what I have been able to do for the real estate investors is develop programs that are the same as for the home builders. And that's where I'm somewhat exclusive and somewhat unique to yeah. kind of what you were talking about earlier. It's you don't know what you don't know. Unfortunately, a lot of policyholders don't know what they have. And quite frankly, real estate investing is the gray area hot potato. So you could send it around to 10 different agents. And they're really not sure what to do with it. Now, again, exactly. right, yeah. exactly. And it's not anybody's fault. It's where did people step up and say, let's try something different. And I can't even take full credit for this. I want to give a shout out to Anthony Moore, Professor Anthony, Pipe Properties. He brought me in three years ago and said, Mike, we have a real issue within the real estate investing industry. And here's why. Yep. Take this and run with it and see what you can't do. And that's exactly what I did. I went to my home builder carriers and just said, why can't we treat them the same? And roughly three years later, it's proven out that it the losses, the claims, the way the book looks is the same. It tracks the same as home builders. So ensuring the project, what we're talking about there is the actual building slash property itself, plus the renovations. So you have the acquisition costs, and then you add in what the renovation budget is going to be. Yep. And the question I get asked all the time or that I see all the time is, do you do it on a property policy or do you do it on a builder's risk policy? I am 100% an advocate of a builder's risk policy. There's two, that? right? And there's just, well, there's just a number of reasons why property forms within the property policy are not going to address the real issue you have. Number one, right off the bat, and this is more of a lender bank issue, but it's more difficult to change the values around with property than it is with builder's risk. Is we don't insure land, so. While the bank is lending you $300,000, if that house burns down two weeks before closing, we're going to replace what it costs to build that house, right? Or to renovate that house and update it. We're not going to pay the land. So the advantage of having a builder's risk policy is we're only going to charge you based on the actual value of the property plus the renovations you're putting into it. So that's kind of number one. The other issue you have with property forms is vacancy. And you just can't get away from it. The property is going to be vacant the entire time. Yeah. So if you get a property policy, you're dealing, you're fighting vacancy provisions from day one. And a yeah. typical property policy is going to eliminate theft after 30 days, vandalism after 60, and then every other kind of loss after 90 days. Yeah. And then, Brandon, what really is interesting, there's actually three different property forms out there. They're called basic, broad, and special. Your basic form only covers 13 things. That's it. So oh, if you get really? A, 
you get a basic property policy, there are 13 named perils that they will cover. And theft is not one of them, theft or vandalism. And what's interesting about that is where do 80% of my builders risk real estate investor claims come from? Yeah. Vandalism, right? Of it's course. the most, most likely thing to happen and yep. it's not going to be covered. What would squatters be entailed? Is that vandalism or? That would be vandalism. Exactly. Yeah. Any, any yeah. of the damage that they do and really theft and vandalism go hand in hand. Most of the time, somebody's yeah. breaking in, they mess up some property and then steal. So they're usually tied together. They are separate issues, but they're tied in. That's a basic property form. Then a broad property form is those same 13 perils plus a few others. And they do give you the theft. And then you have what's called the special form. Yeah. But again, we just spent, what, two or three minutes talking about all the different property forms and the issues. Whereas if you just go to a straight builder's risk policy, we have none of those issues. We don't have 13 causes of loss. We don't have to worry about theft or vandalism because that will be included. And builder's risk is written under what's called an inland marine form. Inland marine means it's an uncontrolled form. So each carrier can write it any way they want. Whereas a property form is a property form is a property form. Once it's filed, same thing right down the line. It's like cookie cutter, here it is. Builder's risk, you can customize it and make it almost any way you want. And so bring you can in, customize it to, to yes. fit your project to, exactly. cover, to exactly. cover everywhere that's needed. I love that. Yeah, exactly, for sure. And so here's the thing, it's not one size fits all. Yeah. Your real estate investing needs are gonna be different from someone else's. So we tailor the program to meet your needs. And one of the interesting things that I find is they're either written on a basic form where there's no theft or vandalism, or the carrier doesn't even give them a choice. They run the address through a computer and it'll come back and say, well, hey, this is considered a higher crime area. This is all you're going to get. They don't even give you a choice of what you want. Exactly. (laughs) Me personally, that's like redlining, right? When it comes to financial, you know, loaning money, that's what I call it. I think it is a form of discrimination. So a builder's risk policy is not going to discriminate where you're building in terms of the theft or vandalism. When we issue a policy, it's going to cover theft and vandalism or it's not. So it's all or none. And we don't have an issue with theft or vandalism as far as our carriers go. So whether to write a builder's risk for a property, the other thing you need to get into is vacancy provisions on the rate are so much higher on property. So if you present to the carrier, hey, I've got a vacant property, automatically the factors that go into the rating increase it exponentially. Now, here's the other thing that I see though, Brandon, a quick example is, I've seen a property policy issued where the client said, hey, I'm buying this. This is a flip. I'm going to work on it for four months. I bought it for $350,000, and I'm going to do $150,000 in renovations. Sure. Well, they get a property policy for $350,000. There's no coverage for the $150,000 that was added in. And you go back and read the policy, and the first two provisions were this has to be a primary home or secondary home. can't be vacant. The, the first three provisions basically throw the whole policy out. It won't, it's not going to pay in the event of a claim. So therefore, those individuals are paying this insurance, oh, thinking yeah. that they're safe. And yeah. realistically, if, if shit hits the fan, they're screwed. Yeah. Well, an example of this one is this an actual this is an actual client in Minnesota where they paid 1400 bucks 
for that $350,000 policy that was going to give them no coverage. They were told by their agent that it was okay, but that's not what the policy form said. And I'm here to tell you, I would never trust what the agent says, trust the forms and what a claims adjuster is going to say. And, and that's the thing. It's like, it's not necessarily agents out there are doing anything malicious. It's right, just right. they're uneducated as well. Yeah, so therefore it's, you know, trust the documents, read through your documents right, or, right. or rely on somebody that's been doing it a long time. Like well, that's Exactly. Right. It's, it's one of those things like anything else. We're all consumers. Is anybody going to sit down and read a hundred page insurance policy <laughs> unless you need to get to sleep early one night? Yeah, you're not going to read it, and even if you do, I'm not the person to do that. I, I, I like to rely on experts like yourself that right, enjoy right. reading through all right. of those uh, on your space. Look, and I'm look, and I'm always learning. There's still parts of policy provisions that I have to read through to understand. But yes, it, that's what it's for. Look, I know nothing about IT and, and technology. Yeah, I get somebody to do that for me, right? I just rely on them. I don't need to read a book on it. I'll just let them come in and do it. So. So the whole battle of builder's risk versus property is hands down builder's risk all the way. And then let's talk specifically real quick about your project, the multiplex yeah. that you got. So you actually reached out and got two or three other quotes while I, I was working on it. And see, this was the ultimate tiebreaker. Not only was my premium was still lower. It was. Right. It was. And the coverage. It, it, it covered more as well. Right. Right. It, it was less in premium and covered more. But here was also the tiebreaker. When you're dealing with uh, issues, and especially you want to see this more in this market, right? So while the opportunity for you to go in and buy some of these properties is going to come up, you may not be able to get the tenants out in short order, right? There could be a delay with that. And everybody takes advantage of those opportunities. So the only difference between a property form and builder's risk is this. If the agent knows what you're doing with the property. If it's a property that policy that you have, well, most of the time they expect it to be inhabited. But if it's a real estate flip where you've got it vacant, they may or may not give you what's called permission to occupy. And that was the big tiebreaker that we had with you. Even though the cost was lower, the coverage was better, is we didn't know how long it was going to take to have the tenants move out. So what I did is I went to the carrier. Now, this is something an agent has to specifically do. The builder's risk policy won't automatically include this. But I went to my carrier and said, hey, my client needs 30 to 60 days to try and get two of the four clients out. Yep. Um, are you willing to do that? And they put what's called the permission to occupy endorsement on there. So we solved all the issues, better yep. coverage, lower premium, but still addressed one thing that a lot of agents wouldn't have thought to ask. And exactly. again, this just comes with the experience. And one of the advantages I have, Brandon, is the fact that I work in so many states. I'm not just speaking to you from North Carolina about what's going on here. I get everyday stories about what's going on around the country. And look, when it, from a legal climate, it always starts where you are. It always goes left to right. So being in touch with my clients in California and out west, I usually get a head start on what's coming our way. And it's usually a six to eight month delay. But what I hear going out with clients usually hits us later. So I just have more experience dealing with a national market and not just a local market. Yeah, well, I think that's like that's one of the, the main factors why I love dealing with somebody like yourself is simply because you have a ridiculous amount of clients. You're helping out people nationwide in 
most of the states here. You've been doing it for a long time. You're very well educated and you've educated me a ton on insurance that I was clueless about. And not even just about that, like you, you make me feel more comfortable about my decisions, but also like probably the, I wouldn't say more importantly, but what helps the, the pocketbook here and the bank account is, is simply that you saved me a ton of money, got me more coverage, which is awesome. And like you stepped in to customize it exactly right. to my needs, right. which is awesome. Well, I'm a consumer too. And I guess why I'm passionate about home builders and real estate investors is when I realized, again, you're paying thousands of dollars a lot of times for these things. And a lot of times you don't even have the coverage. So if you're going to pay something, might as well get something for it. And that's the knock we have as an industry, right? Oh, my policy doesn't cover this. It's just we're paying all this money. It doesn't cover it. Look, I get that. And our reputation is well-deserved a lot of times, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, and again, it's not even all because there's, quote, bad, unsavory, but malicious agents out there. They just don't know any different, right? Yeah. They just know what they know. So like, you know, on the East Coast, we deal more with flood and, you know, hurricanes, things like that. Out West, you're dealing with mudslides and earthquakes and- uh, Fires. Fires, exactly, fires. And that, that actually factors into the rating. So you might as well get something for what you're paying. And, you know, look, the simple homeowners, when you're paying 500 bucks a year for homeowners insurance and you could have a $300,000 loss, right? I don't care if you pay that premium for 30 years. Yeah. That doesn't even come close to being, you know, being reimbursed for 250, some 300,000. That's where the value is. But when you get into other areas like this, it's like, man, we're paying a lot of money. Do we even know if we're getting anything? And a lot of times, it's the assumption. We, we assume we're covered and you're not. Yeah. Once we pay the bill, we feel right. like, okay, we're good. Oh, yeah. like, like, 3,000 bucks. I, I, I get the coffee maker and everything included in this. And it's like, really, you didn't get a whole lot. Yeah. I think that's where the bad name comes from with any type of insurance, like across the board, because I'm not a fan of insurance at all. But at the same time, I would be if I ever found myself in those tight situations where I need to utilize the insurance, right? right. So right. as long as you're paying for something that, that is needed and right. uh, you have the right policy set up for right. you and you're confident in that, then that's where the insurance can't screw you over at the end right. of the day. And right. There you go. See, that's good. right. And it's perception. Like I said, it's well-learned, but whether it's the insurance carriers or the agents and what yeah. I try and do is instead of sell someone a policy, I'm showing value, providing value. Hey, Brandon, right. you're getting value out of this. You have to know that for this 3000 bucks or whatever, you're getting value for what you're paying for and that we are there for you if something happens. It's as simple as that. So that's topic number one. It's And again, if, if people have any questions, I do encourage, you know, we're talking about the call to action or the things to talk about is just real quick, you know, it's www.mikestelgis.com. It's my name. Clients can go or people that are watching can just go to my website. It's a credibility piece. It's just got more information about what I do. I've got some commercials on there that kind of goof on these situations to put it in terms that, that not makes it funny, but just more relatable. And spell, spell your name again, your last name. Right. S-T-E-L-L-J-E-S. So... Yeah, MikeStelgis.com, and that's got my phone and contact information on there. So to wrap up the insuring the project, 
whether you call me to talk about it or you call your existing agent, make sure that you do a review with them, property versus builder's risk. And we need to make sure that we've got the proper coverages for what we're doing to understand that if there's somebody staying there, if you got to get them out, go over the whole, because you just can't issue a policy, say, hey, I've got this project, and it's as simple as that. Yeah. Now, before we move on to step number two, we talked about vacancies for a second and getting insurance uh, right. on on a property while it's vacant, you're paying more of a premium. So I'm the type of person in the past, if I was confident that I wouldn't have a vacancy for that long, ideally, you know, a month or two while we're doing the remodel or whatever it is, I would just say that it, it was occupied. And obviously paying for insurance like that while it's occupied or while it's labeled occupied, but it's really not. Right. Therefore, I'm just wasting money, correct? I'm not actually covered. I'm not insured. Well, it, well see, that, that's where it depends. Like you said, if you err on the side of, hey, we're just, uh, someone is in there until they get out, you're more likely to be covered in that scenario than if it's vacant. Because if the carrier knows it's vacant, you've got to let them know, but it more affects the rate, like you said. As far yeah. as coverage, I'll be more concerned with the carrier knowing that it's vacant and making sure they know it's a vacant property. Because again, a lot of business owners and a lot of property owners will say this 12,000 square foot warehouse is occupied when it isn't to get the lower rate. In that case, they're paying a much lower rate premium. What happens if it burns down? The carrier cannot deny the claim. They'll just cancel you. You know, they'll not renew you or go in and retroactive, put it into a, a vacancy status. But yeah, like you said, it's not even so much you guys playing the game. It's you just don't know. You don't know what to call it or how to call it or what it is. And things change. Right. And that's one other important aspect about a builder's risk policy that I write. You've got 12 months. You know, and again, I can customize it. If I've got someone that's doing fix and flips, I call them lipstick flips. Right. Where you just go in and, you know, in 30 to 45 days, it's on the books and back off the books. I can customize the rate to make sure that the exposure, but right now the average hold time in the industry, industry-wide is five months. That's the number from the day you own it to the day you either sell it or turn it into a, a, an investment property or buy and hold. So five months is the industry average. And unfortunately you do have areas where permitting can take longer, weather has an effect, subcontractors. So five months is the average, but for every, project I see get done in 60 days, I see 10, 10 take eight months. You see what I'm saying? The time's sure. almost always further out than it is shorter. Unless yeah. somebody's got that system where they just go in, put paint and carpet, paint and carpet, appliances, nothing major. Yeah. So, yeah. Overall, I was just not to, not to boost you up or anything, but honestly, I was really impressed with how much you customized and you really took care of the policy that you wrote for us and our project. Right, right. right. Because like, like you mentioned, like I did reach out to three other individuals. I got quotes from people that were referred over to me and supposedly good ones, you know, like good people, you know, because I'm always going after the relationships that are in my circle and strong referrals. And then once I get them back, like, I was asking them the questions you were telling me to, to ask and bringing up to them. And, you know, they weren't performing like I was hoping they would because they were lacking potentially in the education as well. So they didn't know what kind of protection I had. They weren't asking me the questions you were. And the policies were higher with less coverage. Right. And that's the difference. Two things. You made a good point. Number one, 
is if a customer or you, a real estate investor, yep. is doing your due diligence, like, hey, I want to get three quotes. Well, when you get those three, how do you even know how to compare them to begin with if you're not having someone guiding it? You know, you got it's three city apples here. to apples. Right. Because yeah. the first thing you're going to do is just, oh, well, this one's 2,800. This one's 4,000. Yep. Well, what's the difference? Well, there probably is a difference, but who's there to show what the differences are? And one thing that I do to separate myself is I don't mind doing the educating, right? And then just yep. saying, okay, you can't ignore the premium completely, but set it off to the side for the moment. Focus on the coverages and make sure that you're what you're paying for is covering your needs. And that's it. So A, it's important to have an agent that knows how to review the policies, number one. And number two, like you said, even if you do your due diligence and get multiple quotes, well, what does that mean? You know, yep. all you're doing is looking at the pop, the, the premium, unless so you good. know what to look for. That's so good. Awesome. Let's move on to step number two, basically the, how to ensure the liability itself. Right. Ensuring the liability. Now, this is the hot topic. And unfortunately, this affects new home builders as much as it does real estate investors. So 10 years ago, so I've been in the industry 27 years. That's always been in the construction. But yep. 10 years ago is when I started focusing on new home builders. And when I first entered into that market, my assumption, and this is someone that had been in the business 17 years, was home builders are fine. They're taken care of. They've got good coverage. And I couldn't have been more wrong when I started looking into under the hood, so to speak, and taking a look at the coverages. And it's, it's hard to put a percentage on it. But I would say for me personally, it's probably six to seven out of 10 home builder policies that I review that do not cover work performed by subcontractors. Now, let's let that sink in a second. That How is much work? I know, right? <laughs> That's ridiculous because like everything is utilized by subcontractors. Right. Everything. Right. 25 years ago, Brandon, home builders had their own crews, right? Yeah. This was 25, 30 years ago. A home builder had his own framer, carpenter you know, plumber, roofer, sure. get, and the policy started getting designed around that. Well, that went away in the mid nineties, right? Late nineties, certainly by the early two thousands to where home builders and real estate investors are like paper general contractors. So everything's subbed out. Yes. And when you have an exclusion in your policy that doesn't cover work performed by subs, it's like, holy cow, that's where the light bulb went off. And I'm like, I cannot believe this is happening. What are the alternatives? Yeah, and that's he, basically the crack right there where everything's slipping out. And, exactly, and right, right. So when you look at a home builder that doesn't have the proper coverage, the number with real estate investors, it's nine out of 10. Nine out of 10, if not, it's probably even higher than that. But it, yeah. if we put a percentage, 90% of real estate investors that I look at yep. don't have any kind of general liability coverage or they have that exclusion in there and they're basically getting a premises liability policy. Now I will say this on the real estate investor in the premium that these guys are paying for premises liability and no kind of coverage for the subs, their rates and costs aren't that high. They're getting killed on the property part and the GL parts, not as much on the home builder side. You know, I wrote a home builder last week, 125. And think about it, this is a guy building 125 houses a year. Multiply that by being in business six years, how many houses he's built. And he's been sitting there with that exclusion the whole time. 
And he still had a $5.35 rate on his subcontracted calls. And without getting into all math, I gave him the coverage for work done by subs, and my sub rate was $3. So, again, right there, I cut the premium by 40% and gave him actual coverage. I mean, I know, right? It's every time. I would say 90, well, again, I get in percentages. The majority of home builders don't even know they had the exclusion, right? Okay. They didn't even know it was there. Yeah. And they get really upset immediately, like, well, I can't believe my agent didn't tell me, yeah. right? And what usually happens is the agent told them the first year they wrote the policy, right? Sure. Year one, but never, it just out of sight, out of mind until you have that claim. So the importance of that is, again, whether you contact me, or get back to your current agent. I find it very important because there's three aspects you need to be looking at in covering the business. To me, general liability is just as important as covering the project with the builder's risk or property builder's risk policy. And here's why: when you have that exclusion in your policy, what are you doing, Brandon? You are relying 100% on your general contractor slash subs. Now. My website does a good good example of some commercials where I demonstrate why that doesn't work. I actually have, and we're not going to go over them, but I have 12 reasons why you don't want to rely on your subcontractors entirely, 100% for them to have the proper coverage. But I'll go over three or four real quick. Number one. I think but, something just in general, it's like uh, with all the confusion out there on insurance right. anyway, do you think your contractor has the best one? You well, know? I know, right? I know, look, hey, these guys, they're not always the best at paying premiums. They're not. Yeah. They want their money on Friday afternoon to take care of whatever they're wanting to do. They go week to week. And I'm not, that's, that's right. not anything, I'm not saying anything negative about subcontractors, different mindset. Week to week. Insurance premiums are not a priority. They don't always get paid. So you don't want at the time of loss finding out that the subcontractor didn't have his policy enforced because okay. you are not legally obligated to know when their, their insurance has expired. You're not. A yep. certificate of insurance uses the word we will endeavor to. And all endeavor to means we'll try to let you know. Yeah. But you're going to be the last one to know they don't have insurance. It's when the claim occurs. Number two, the subcontractor may not even be in business at the time of claim. So let's say you do your project, you're done in June, and the problem hits the fan in December. The subcontractor may not even be in business at that point in time or moved on. And that, that happens. It happens a lot. The biggie, though, is so many times, and, and Anthony, Anthony Moore taught me, he's called it a ninja tip, right? So you want that golden nugget. So this is a ninja tip for all you guys out there is my ninja tip, exactly. If you are using a roofing contractor to do any of your work, make sure roofing is in their name. It needs to be Brandon Elliott Roofing LLC, or I would inspect the heck out of their policy. The reason why I say that, if roofing isn't in their name, they're probably not being insured as a roofer. So if you're Brandon Elliott handyman, you've probably got your little business owner's policy out there for 1500 bucks a year. And I can guarantee it's not going to cover roofing. Oh yeah. If it's Brandon roofing, uh, Brandon Elliott roofing LLC, I would feel a little more comfortable, but I would still look at the certificate of insurance. The reason why I'm diving into this one a little bit deeper is I've had this happen. One of my larger home builders needed to get some houses, some uh, roofing repairs done. A storm came through. They had eight closings at the end of the month that was due. 
they called me and said, Mike, we can't, our roofing guy can't get out there. We need to use a sub. And I said, well, we need to make darn sure he's properly insured. So they sent yeah. a certificate of insurance. I looked at it and it was Brandon Elliott handyman. It wasn't any roofing in it. And of course, when I looked at the carrier that was insuring him, that even told me, again, just from experience, they're not going to write a roofing contractor. It's not. So we went the extra step and I said, hey, we've got to get a copy of their policy. The sub didn't want to give it to us, right? Because he's, you know, he knew he was only paying 1500 bucks a year for his policy. So we flipped back and it was page 55 of whatever page policy it was. And right there in big black and white, you know, black, roofing is excluded, right? So if that sub had stepped onto my client's job and done, it was about $75,000 worth of work on all houses that need to be done. If yeah. anything had happened to those roofs after the fact, guess who would have had to pay for that? Yeah. My client. Exactly. So that's, you know, and subs are subbing out. Yeah. Hate to break it to you, but you hire ABC plumbing. It might be XYZ plumbing that actually goes out and does the work. And you'll never know because you'll still get the invoice from ABC unless you're physically at the job site. Subs are subbing. So that's just another rabbit hole you got to chase down. But the most important one outside of those, it's on my website and it's the commercial I did with Gene and Gina, right? About the plumbing backing up. You saw it at Tab. I um, love it. It was such a, you guys need to watch that. It's something that's going to give you the education. It's funny. It's entertaining. And it really does open up your eyes because it's a true situation, right? right. That one actually happened to a client. Exactly. Here's, and the gist of it is this, in this case, my builder had proper insurance through me yeah. and all his subcontractors had insurance. And here's the catch. Sometimes you can't prove who did the damage, right? Yeah. And that's what that commercial points out. The pipe blame on everybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, in this case, and this one was a genuine one. They're always going to deny doing any of the damages anyway. That's a given. Right. Yeah. That's a given. In this yeah. particular case, the plumbing was cracked before it got filled up with the concrete. And honestly, we we could say that we thought it was the grading contractor that cracked the pipe, but you can't prove that, right? So we had five different subcontractors that were involved in that piping aspect, whether it was the pipe being laid, plumbed, concrete guy, tied in, everything. And in that particular case, we couldn't, we couldn't determine who was at fault. So again, if you have a policy that covers no work performed by subs, and in this case, all the subs had insurance, but we couldn't prove who did the damage, guess whose policy it falls on? It'll be your policy, right? And if you don't have general liability coverage or properly written coverage, you're left in the wind. So the most common objection I get, it's either they didn't know it covered immediately, right? They're, they're dumbfounded. I can't believe I wasn't covered. Yeah. And you're doing it for, for your, 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 your premiums already lower. So you're already filling in a gap for less. So it's not like you're asking me to pay twice as much. But sure. the other objection, when I say if there is an objection, is, hey, Mike, all my subs have insurance. Now, I would feel more comfortable if you have a GC, right? If you've got a GC that you hired that's going to do all the work and not deal with 10 different subs, we would still want to make sure that GC has the proper coverage, right? And that yeah. he's got a good carrier and he is covered for all the operations he's going to do. But in that case, we're only going after one person, the general contractor, versus if you got 10 different subs. Yeah. So that's talking about insuring the liability aspect. And unfortunately, too many real estate investors 
look at the builder's risk slash property part because that's what the bank requires, right? That's the, all they require. Sure. And then the banks will require the premises liability from the GL, but they don't give two craps one way or the other whether or not the GL is good coverage. They just want to see an evidence of insurance that says you've got general liability. They don't care. So a lot of times the insurance is bought and placed out of a need to get the loan closed and not a need to protect their investment in, in their business. Because one bad claim, that claim that you saw in that commercial, that was a $30,000 yeah. claim. I mean, think about it. That can wipe out the profit on a job, right? One, oh, yeah. one flip. That can take all your profit out. And if you had just paid three or four thousand bucks to have some general liability insurance, it would have been a twenty five hundred dollar deductible versus thirty thousand. Yeah. So now I, I highly recommend everyone go check out Mike's website and really watch that video because it's something that it will open up your eyes. It's gonna educate you, it's gonna show you the process. It's quick, it, it's it's fun, but it's still like that pain point of like that sinks in of realizing how important this truly is. You're going to pay for it anyway. Might as well make sure that you are fully protected right. instead of just going out there blindly thinking right. that you are because you paid the ticket type of thing. And realistically, you're just not. So I think something that's awesome again with you is that you lead with education first. So do you charge people for them sending you any type of like their current policy to right. overlook it for them? I do not. And see, and that's where the industry, I've tried to change it when I say me, I, I'm not the only one, but yeah. the one way that I've approached the industry is when I first got into the industry, agents would hold insurance close to the vest yeah. and wouldn't share the information. Here's why. Brandon needs to rely on me hundred percent as his agent. He doesn't need to know what's going on with his policies or understand what they are about. Because if I educate him, he's going to leave me or he can oh, jump man. ship. And see, here's the thing, right? I do the exact opposite. What I have found, the more I educate my clients, yep. now they see how valuable I am to them in oh, terms of, wow, look at what this guy's been doing. So it's, it's for me, it's not afraid of losing the business. It's validation of what I do. And they look yep. back and say, wow, I didn't even, you've told me way more than I ever want to know about insurance. Just stop here. Some yeah. say, keep going. Some say, I don't want to know. You're my guy. Yeah. I'll give as much as we want. Now, I do do some consulting for larger companies that do ask me to come in and just say, hey, review our program in full. And that is a separate deal. Now, again, that's completely different. With real estate investors or like we're dealing with this form, everyone is welcome to send me what they have. Because the other barrier that I have to overcome is the idea of, hey, Mike, I don't want to send you my current policy. So I don't want you to know how much I'm paying or what it is. But the beauty about what I do, Brandon, is... I'm not copying a policy, right? Number one, that's an E&O waiting to happen. And plus, I already know what I'm going to be looking at. It's not what you need nine times out of 10. So I'm not copying anything. And honestly, I don't care what your premium is because my rate is my rate. It is what it is. It is a slot rated program that for the builder's risk is the same for everybody. That's why the extra value is. It's not like you're going to be able to call up Another client said, well, what rate did Mike give you or what rate? It's the same rate, yeah. it's the same basic rate structure. So it's of consistent, course, course. right? It's consistent, but I need it for comparison purposes because when I get a copy of that policy, I come back and say, hey, you sent me one of those quotes, right? And I was able to say, Brandon, well, 
forget the premium for a second, I'm still lower, but look at all the coverage differences. Here's what yeah. I'm doing and here's what they don't have. So I use it for comparison purposes, but yeah. So that's talking about insuring the liability. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't have until someone reviews it and looks at it. So for all the listeners out there, just do yourself a favor. Don't do it for me. Don't do it for Mike. Do it for yourself. Literally take your policy, mail it to this guy, email it. And so, so he can just go through it and then compare it and show you and educate you on what would be more beneficial to really ask you those premium questions that are going to stand out, help educate you, but really set up your insurance, your policy with exactly what your project needs and then see, you know, if he can beat the price, if not, if whatever it is, but at least show you and educate you on what your policy currently is and how it can customize it towards what you truly need. Exactly. And even after the education, sometimes people will just say, hey, now we'll, you know, they'll say, well, we're just going to stick with what we have. And then six months later, they call me back up and say, wow, we should have gone with you. I mean, it's not in every case. It's, It's not to capture all the business. And to wrap up this topic, I do want to talk real quick about the obstacle that turns into an opportunity, right? And that's what I've been saying lately, obstacles that turn into opportunities. Well, the obstacle that I have had in this industry is when my clients or prospects or referrals are at their busiest, that is the hardest time to pin them down to talk about something like insurance, right? Because sure. like, I've got 12 projects going on. I'm busy. Uh, you know, money's coming in. And I'm paying out. I just, I don't have time to take a look at it. Well, my response has always been to that in the past was, well, that's when your exposure is the greatest, right? Is when you have the most work going. So that really should be the time you're looking at it. Not when you have one project, but when you got 12. Yeah. And, and you think you're busy now. Wait till you find yourself in court or you have right. a, a ton of debt from some project hitting the yeah. band, you know? So make sure you're, you're covered. You'll spend your life savings trying to chase down a subcontractor. I mean, really, yeah. when they want to disappear, they can, they can disappear. So yes. that's the think- obstacle. I would just recommend take that one step back so you can set yourself up for leaps and leaps up. Oh, yeah. The next steps forward. Well, look, but see, so Brandon, so here's the opportunity, right? So where the obstacle has been, this whole thing with the virus is actually slowing everybody down a little bit, right? Even for me personally, I've been able to look at a few things that I have quotes say I don't have time to do. We're all guilty of it. Now, I'm not a big TV watcher. I never have been, even less now, but you know, yeah. To give you an example, I'm, on, I'm still on like season three of Breaking Bad, right? That's how long <laughs> it takes me to get there. And that's been you're over behind. six years. Yeah. You're behind. So when yeah. people are talking about it, I don't care if people give spoiler alerts. I'm so far behind, I'll forget what they said and still can watch it. So, but what I'm getting at, but, but I've been doing a lot of reading, right? And catching yeah. up. So here's the opportunity that this presents us from an insurance standpoint. Now that we're hit the pause button, before, even though you had great exposure working on 12 projects and you weren't looking at it, now's the time to take a look at it, right? Now you take the deep breath and say, I really need to take a look at what I've got out there because I, yeah. I, I can tell you this, six out of 10 new home builders aren't protected the way they should be and nine out of 10 real estate investors aren't. So now's the time for them to hit the pause button and say, okay, even if I don't want to read a 250 page policy, let me contact someone whether it's me or their current agent and reach out and say, let's talk about this. So good. I love it. 
Let, let's talk about the buy and holds for a second, if you don't mind. What are people missing out on? Like myself, I, I have a lot of buy and holds. What am I missing out on? Well, it's not so much missing out on is what's really ramped up in the last year and a half, right, is Airbnbs, last couple of years. So the topic on insuring your long-term properties or your long-term holds, I want to say long-term because there is short-term rentals and long-term rentals. Sure. I want to make a clear cut on that. Here's the thing. Most insurance policies are not going to have what's called an Airbnb exclusion. I think that'll come, but as it stands right now, if the carrier doesn't know you're doing a short-term rental, they're going to write you. But the majority of insurance companies don't write the Airbnbs. Most of my carriers do not write them. And Same thing with lenders. It's a pain in the ass. I don't know why. Right, right. Yeah. So, and again, unfortunately, because we have somebody that could be in and out of your property multiple times a week, the exposure goes up. We get it. Sure. So I'm going to give a shout out to Melani Hawk, right? She is the queen of the Airbnbs now. And She's is been on the podcast on. in the past. She's awesome. Yeah, exactly. So when I have clients reach out and say, Mike, I've got some properties that I you know, have held and I'm a landlord and these are short term. And I don't mind giving a shout out. One company is called Prosper, P-R-O-S-P-E-R, Prosper. And I think they're out of North Carolina, but I think they're like multiple states. Yep. I know they write the short term Airbnbs. I think Airbnb, from what I understand, has their own insurance program where you can almost do it on a daily, buy insurance by the day, right? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Right. So now your direct writers, and what I mean by direct writers, I'm talking about like your captive insurance companies, like your state farms and all states and farm beer and all those. I would reach out to those guys on the short-term rentals. That is not my specialty. That is not where... I'm going to be the best value, right? So having said that, it's the same as your builder's risk, it's the same as your liability. I would get those policies out and review them carefully to make sure, is there an exclusion in there for what's called a short-term rental? I haven't seen many that specifically say that. Now, on the long-term rentals, I do have markets. It's still not my strongest suit. So what I usually end up doing on those is I'll encourage like Brandon to say, hey, send me your portfolio of your rentals, long-term rentals, and I'll take a look. And what I will do more than half the time is just send them right back across the table and say, Brandon, you're in good shape. You're right where you need to be. Another 30% of the time, I'll look at them and say, you're where you need to be, but tweak a couple things on the coverage, right? Not a problem. And then there's 15, 20% of the time where I do write it for two reasons. Sometimes I am lower on the premium with the same coverages or better, or I just have some clients that just say, Mike, I don't want to deal with five different agents. So be it. You're going to be higher on the rentals, but you save me so much money on the other end and I've got so much better coverage. I just want the one stop guy. So I'm available to look at those. And if I'm already writing the builder's risk and liability, I have no problem reviewing those policies. Again, I don't charge for those services or or that's just part of what I include. I'll review them and just send them back and say, hey, you're good. That's what I do more than half the time. I love that. Now, what is your opinion on this? But maybe just in general, uh, the the blanket policies that kind of cover, I think it was September last year, I ended up putting all of my rentals underneath one blanket insurance policy just because it was a little bit cheaper and it actually it was easier to keep uh, account yes right now i'm glad you brought up the term blanket because 
I, that's what I recommend on the, the builder's risk, right? And that's where I'm, that's where I really separate myself between the property and the builder's risk gotcha. is for clients that are doing five or more projects. Let's blanket it because it's one master policy. We estimate what you're going to do. We yep. think you're going to do five. We put the values, we put a policy in place and you run for 12 months. I don't hear from you. The only time we hear from you is when the bank needs something. Then we true it up at the end of 12 months. If, if it's if you come in higher, then we estimate you pay us. If yes. it's lower, we give you a refund. Right. But that determines the upfront up premium doesn't determine the coverage. So if we rate it based on five, you can build 30, 40. You can do 25 flips. So we don't limit the projects. You just know that you're going to you know, pay if you go over substantially. 90, I'm, I'm, I know you, I'm big on these percentages. The vast majority of my clients were very conservative the first year. We do the blanket policy. In almost every case, we end up one or two over. They end up doing more than we estimated, right? And then we just kind of adjust it year to year. Yeah, which is okay as well because if you're doing more projects and you have to pay more at the end, it's usually because you're doing more projects, you're making exactly. more money. Work right? is good, right? The yeah. money's coming in. But what it does, it now instead of you having – 12 different policies out there. And look, I wrote a real estate investor two weeks ago that's doing 25 a year and he was getting a separate policy for every one. Yeah. 25 checks, 25 policies. Who can keep up with that? Talk about frustrating, annoying, hard to keep track of. Yeah. And that's that's what I started going through. And I was like, hey, enough is enough. Let's put this underneath one. And right. right. You know, let's call so, the day. So that was on the builder's risk. But to answer your question on the rentals, yes, I recommend if you can get a carrier they can put them all on one policy. You just add and delete as you go because you'll know what your individual house cost is. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not like it's one big premium. You can't unbundle. Yeah. I recommend the blanket versus getting 10 different rental property policies versus having one. If you can find yeah. a carrier that can do that, even if you have to pay a little bit more, I think it's worth it. Because again, yeah. it's one policy, one thing to keep in mind. And jumping back real quick to general liability. See, my general liability, Brandon, that I do is a year-round policy. And yeah. one thing, I'm glad you brought that up, because let's say you've got the real estate investor that does get the proper general liability insurance, which is very rare, but let's say they do. Yeah. Guess what they do? But guess what they do when they get done with the project? They cancel the insurance, right? You don't sure. need the builder's risk anymore property, and you get rid of the GL. Well, what will happen is the day you stop paying for the coverage is when the coverage ends. Yeah. So. Even though you did the work in that six-month period, if something happens six months down the road, yep. what's the trigger of occurrence when you did the work or when the claim comes out? And trust me, I've been doing this 27 years and still can't get the clear answer from carriers what the trigger is. Yep. What's the trigger of occurrence when you did the work or when you found out about it? And what most carriers do is it's when you find out about it. So that's why if you have the continuous coverage in place, yep. you don't have to worry about that. So that, that's a good point. So yes, blanket is definitely, it's, it's more efficient, easier, less time consuming. There is a company out there that will do the monthly reporting. And that's the vast majority of the real estate investors that I've written. But again, who has time to report a property every single month, pay a premium, and then come back around and remember, well, I'm, I'm done with this one. And forget yeah. to take it off, or you buy that one and you forget to put it off. Yeah, so I think it, it, like you mentioned before, and kind of like with my particular situation, we just customize it, you know, customize yeah. it and yeah. set it up for success. So 
as within the next two weeks, my project will be done. We set it up originally because I had three tenants in there. So we set it up to give us some grace time. Oh, yeah. And then, and then we set it up for protection during the remodel, yeah. during the construction phase. And now in the next two weeks, once that's over with and all the units are remodeled, looking sexy again, once we can start renting them out, then we'll switch up. It's kind of setting itself up for success in the future. Right. It flows, right. And, and let me make this, one thing I want to make clear is even though the, the rentals is not my strong point, certainly not short-term rentals, long-term okay. rentals, where I'm very effective is a large portfolio. So if a client okay. has 50, yeah. 30, 20, 30, 40, I become more effective on those. And then typically the multiplexes are like those they, I'm not saying they're commercial projects, but I'm more effective on the multifamily apartments, condos, duplexes, yeah. triplexes than I am on the single family home. So very competitive, um, right? Like, yeah, can, exactly. Competitive. Yeah. When I say that competitive in terms of coverage and the cost. Yeah. And at the end of the day, really the education, like I, I've never been so educated on uh, the insurance <laughs> aspect and I'm not a fan of it. So I'm glad that you are and you specialize in it because <laughs> I can get the quick education that I need to feel comfortable in making my decision and knowing that you have my back. And then right, right. I don't need to look any further and I can give you the space to do your job well without me getting, you know. No, I appreciate that. And like I said, I think one thing because uh, I, I would say your audience, there's probably a third of your audience that I'm already familiar with, right? We do yeah. have some overlap. Of, so for the new guys that are out there, I just encourage for them, even before they come to me, to reach out to some people that they may know that are working with me to say, hey, what's it been like? Because again, my best advocates are the track record to say, this is what he's done over time. This is what he's doing for us. Because and, and I think that one thing it's very flattering for me that I get said uh, that said very often is he doesn't try and do everything for us. Meaning yes. if there's an area of insurance that I can get better elsewhere, he will say, go this route or, yeah. or I'll look at it and compare. I'm not trying to capture all of it, not trying yeah. to get all of it. So we, you know, I stay in my lane and stay in what I do the best. There's some other areas I can be competitive in the, in the rentals, but it's not necessarily my best suit. And if I can't, I just say, hey, you're good where you are or go here with it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you're just not greedy. You're not in it for the dollar. You're more in it for the client to serve because the the more you serve and just deliver excellence to everybody, whether it's with you or pointing them in the right direction, make sure that they are fully protected and feel comfortable, then it will always come back to serve you well. So kudos right. to you, brother. I appreciate you greatly. <laughs> well, what's a uh, member, Mr. Love down at tab 4.0 talking about what your why is. Yeah. And it was funny. It's like, cause when he was going around the room asking what the why is, I wanted, my first reaction was to do a, a little Tom Cruise, right. From a risky business. And it's like to serve my fellow man, you know, yeah. and everybody's like, ah, oh, what are you doing? He's like, you know, he's in the human fulfillment business, whatever. But no, I, so when I get asked what my why is, it's not, I don't sell. You know, I'm not a salesperson. I don't sell. What I do is protect the dream for not only the home builder that in almost every case was a contractor at some point, right? Somewhere in their career, they started out as that carpenter or a contractor that said, hey, I know how to build a house. I want to start doing it. And same yeah. for the real estate investors. Think about this. And when I heard how expensive fortune builders can be, and look, 
Fortune builders, I'm a proponent of fortune builders because they do give you the playbook. They do. It's an expensive playbook, but they give you the steps. Now, again, a client in Minnesota told me that less than one half of 1% of people actually, after they've spent that money, take action. And that's a staggering amount to think if you paid anywhere from 25 to 50 grand to get the playbook. And I think what happens, they just get overwhelmed, right? Because they're like, okay, it's easier getting that project on board, but now there's 130 steps you got to do to get it sold. And it yeah. overwhelms people. It's easier to swipe the credit card I know, and, right? I know. and jump <laughs> into it thinking that the magic pill is right there. And I'm right. going to be then, then it's that easy. Because if it were that easy, everybody would be doing it. But the point is the fact that they've made that kind of investment where people are saying, look, I am leaving the white collar industry or the blue collar industry, the desk job. I'm jumping off a cliff. I'm taking a huge risk, right? So that's where I was very passionate from the beginning, even with Anthony talking about it. It's like, man, these guys are risking everything to go into real estate investing. Literally, they're risking everything. They need to be properly protected. My part in all this is to help protect that dream or protect that investment they've made. And my contribution is in the insurance area to to help ensure their success. Sure. I love that. Well, Mike, you are the man. I appreciate you greatly. You just gave well over an hour of your time to give back to the people. So I appreciate you. You a lot of little Z's coming up when you like your, your, your feedback, right? Everybody's like on snooze or whatever. No, I, look, I know it's not sexy. That's why I bring Fireball to every one of my events. Got to keep right. it lively. Got to keep it moving. Last thing real quick. It's, it's not, uh, I will I will have another commercial dropping in about three or four weeks. Everybody look at it. It's on Builder's Risk. And it's our gene. My foil gene is back. And cool. then there is a uh, Josh Ingalls, famous Josh Ingalls, that does all those what yep. blank in- people say. So we did one called what bad insurance agents, uh, things bad insurance agents say. So we got that coming, a full-on blown commercial. And then the last thing is my website. I think I'll point people to a YouTube channel where I am doing more of these educational things, not an hour long. They're two and three minute little tidbits. Yeah. Thanks for it. I really appreciate you having me on. I appreciate it. No, likewise. I mean, you just poured in over an hour. So any final thoughts or also, you know, what can us like myself and the listeners do to give back to you? Right. Well, certainly, like I said, in this time where we've hit the pause button, dive into your insurance program. I mean, it's it, you can't afford not to. And the tidbit that I leave is the total cost of insurance is never what you pay in premiums. And we'll let that sink in a second. In other words, it didn't cost you $3,500 to get that policy. Yeah, That was just a premium. The total cost of your insurance is all those things out there, deductibles, uncovered claims, That's right. exclusions, so you never know what the total risk or total cost of your insurance is. And it's more than just paying a premium. So the call to action is dive into your policies, look at your program. If your head starts spinning, get in touch with your current agent. And you made a good point a, a few minutes ago is sometimes I just sit back and it sinks in because they will go to their current agent and they'll start asking them questions and then they just get this in return. It's yeah. crickets, or I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and that's not an indictment on them, but it should also make it a little bit clearer. Hey, maybe I need to go to the guy that specializes in this and just go straight to him and cut all, all the interference out. So it's yeah. not an indictment on those guys. Just like if someone came to me and said, Mike, how do I insure daycares? 
You know what I'm saying? I'm not the guy to call for that, right? Yeah. Or I'm a trucker. You know, yeah. everybody has their their niche. And a lot of agents are what's called generalists. They do a lot of different things. And over my career, I've always been able to pinpoint specialize in something to become well-versed in it. Yeah, so my call to action is dive into what you have. Yeah. If your current agent give you a response or give you a response that uh, makes sense, reach out to me. You can get through my website, mikestelgis.com. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to give out phone numbers and email because it's all on my website. They can okay. find me through the website. So just go to your website and that's yeah. how people can reach out to you. Exactly. It's got my phone number. It's got my email. I don't want to go to this long commercial. Plus, I do encourage people to go to the website because yeah. if they just spend five or 10 minutes scrolling through they'll see the, the, the broad level of services that we provide. Hopefully they'll take advantage and watch one of those goofy commercials and say, Hey, now, now I kind of get it. Yeah. And we'll go no. from, and we take it from there. I think that's brilliant. That's awesome. We'll definitely put your information, the website as well in show notes. So everybody can actually go take action on that. I really, really do stress that because if you're paying for it in the first place, you want to make sure that you have the right coverage for your project and you are protected. Your money is actually getting put to good use. God forbid that worst case scenario has to be taken. You don't right. want to be frustrated at the insurance company at the end of the day, if you have to make a claim and right. you're not covered. So, Hey, and I'll, end it, and I'll end it with this. One thing that I do too, because it goes beyond just me. Uh, some people call it getting your dream team. I call it having your trusted advisor group, right? Yeah. It's important to get that good realtor that understands both commercial and residential, right? It's important to get that CPA that understands builders and real estate investors because the accounting methods can be a little bit different, right? Yep. Got to get you a good title insurance person. Yep. I mean, think about that. If you don't have clear, I mean, that I hear so many nightmare situations. They are worth what they you pay them. Get you a good attorney, again, that understands real estate law. Yeah, and an agent and a broker. And that way, having those five, and I'm sure there's more, right? I just kind of come up with like that list of five. Make sure they're on your side. They're your advocates, your trusted advisor group. And sometimes you get what you pay for. You really do. If you pay the extra two or 300 bucks to get this clear title versus just the cheapest guy out there, they're most likely to keep you out of court and keep you from losing, losing a lot. You'll see the difference for sure. Right. I appreciate you, brother. I really do. I know all the listeners took in a lot. Make sure you guys replay this, re-listen, make sure you're taking notes. I got a bunch, ridiculous amounts, and we're just super blessed to have you on here. So reach out to Mike. If you guys want to get a hold of me, you can always do so at brandonelliotinvestments.com. Otherwise, Instagram at brandonelliotinvestments or facebook.com slash brandonelliotrei. Also, facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott investor. So we will see you guys on the very next episode till next time. Stay blessed guys. Thanks Mike. All right, my man. Appreciate it. Another episode of ready, set, go real estate investing podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.